Hello, and welcome to the Marketing Times Analytics Podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with Jen Agbabli, who recently joined the Talent and Culture team at Kindrel, the new IBM spinoff. Jen, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Hello, I'm Jen. Um, I am a marketer, and recently I made a transition from analytics into talent and culture, which is something that is so dear and near to my heart, and it's a pleasure to be with you today. Yeah, it's great to have you. So how did you get started in talent and culture? Um, I got started last year, which seems like it's it wasn't that long ago, but also it felt like this is um, an area of business that I've always had an interest in um, and always been involved in. Um, so for context, how I got started last year was um, in the midst of what the nation was going through with George Floyd and um, just a lot of injustices um, in society just bubbling to the surface and people getting of that. Um, I felt a need within our organization um, of one, helping people um, better understand the employee experience. Um, and also I felt a need to help managers, which at the time I felt cared, but didn't know what to say or didn't know how to respond to um, the social environment. Um, I felt the need to support managers as well, and um, perhaps a, perhaps a platform or support so that they can um, also respond to to those events. So it came out of a time of need and um, an observation that there was a gap in um, the understanding that employees, you know, um, yes, they come to work and they do the work, but Things happening at home, things happening in society really affect them. And it came out of the need for managers to say, well, we, we know these things affect you. We know you, we care, right? But we don't know how to, um, to, to go about it. We don't know what to do. So that's how I would say formally got involved was just recognizing that need. And uh, at the time I wanted to take action, um, that, that was the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really exciting. So so it sounds like it really came from this need to have better communication around some of the anxieties that employees felt outside of work. I mean, it was, it's been an incredibly tumultuous last two years, and there's been so much friction. And it's, it's almost like that thing that at the beginning, like everybody was experiencing, but nobody was talking about. And then the question became, how do we voc- vocalize what's going on in a way that won't make everything more complicated, right? Because a lot of the time emotion can can cloud judgment and it can be easy to um, say the wrong thing or, or, or take the wrong approach. And so um, having like a really careful guide to what, what do we say here that will really um, put everybody's nerves at ease um, and I think you did a really good job of that over the last couple of years, starting the DNI org for our uh, performance marketing group. And, and um, yeah, I, t- I totally, um, I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that lens to our group because in retrospect, it was incredibly valuable. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I've, others have said that, right? They said, oh, thank you so much for, you know, being the, a voice for us and for 
to helping create a path. But this is super important for me. Um, this journey, again, started for me a year ago in terms of in the workplace, how did I show up? What did I do? But I've always cared about these things. But what made a difference for me um, within our team and at IBM was I recognized the environment was safe. And that is so important. And that speaks volume to the culture of a company, right? For someone to feel safe enough and feel supported enough to speak up and to start a program and to rally volunteers and for people to benefit and get involved quarter after quarter, um, it takes a culture that supports that. And to me, that is just as important as the action of how we show up authentically. Um, one part of it is us showing up and um, or, you know, uh, bringing our authenticity forward is the response of the environment. And what made me send the emails, what made me each reach out to people was recognizing that our leaders cared, our coworkers cared. And historically, you know, I've been at places where we would have those conversations one-on-one -on -one between employees or maybe with our communities at home of, you know, how we're being affected by the social environment. But if you didn't feel safe uh, to bring it up at work, then those conversations stayed private, right? They stayed between, you know, between coworkers, <laughs> you know, during coffee chats. So that that I want to also recognize of how much the existing culture feel that. Yeah, it it's almost like you need a you need a good structure to build onto, and it needs to be accepting of growth and of um and change uh both so absolutely gr growth in the sense that we want more of this and change in the sense of we want to add new uh discussion topics we, we want to expand what we connect on um so yeah i i really like that um that angle yeah absolutely yeah that, that foundation of inclusiveness and um open-mindedness was there right so even when you or when we brought up comfortable uncomfortable topics um i, I personally speaking for myself felt saying so you know I, I knew that it would resonate and i knew that people just needed a medium or a channel um but the support and the understanding and the need was there and yeah that, that made a big difference yeah so how do you see our DNI organization evolving in the next year? Wow, such a good question. Um, I think really inclusion is about people. It's sense that it evolves with people, it evolves with the needs of people, and it evolves with the needs of the, the company as well, right? Um, my top priority is always to drive towards and the extension of self, right? Like, it, like you said, you talked about the foundation. If you have a foundation of, you know, I'm open-minded and a foundation of I'm tapping into my authenticity um, 
what's the next step? The next step is whatever makes you feel even more included, whatever makes you feel even more empowered to go and deliver in your work environment that you can influence, by the way, is going to get you to that next stage, right? And inclusion is just in service of people and their needs at in the given moment. What we talk about will change, but the idea of surfacing areas where people may not have as much of a voice and making sure that everybody is, is included in the conversation, that will never change. It's just what we specifically discuss from quarter to quarter, it, it, it must follow the path of inclusion. And so long as we're following that as our North Star, I think that that's the core purpose of the team. It's not for a specific thing to discuss, but rather to uncover the things that we must discuss. Yes. And also it's so, it's something that is so um, specific to the organization that you're in. And I'm now learning, um, I'm now learning that actually. Um, So if you're in a, global organization like IBM, what does inclusion mean? If you're in a small, you know, um, startup in a certain geography, what does inclusion mean, right? But in it, it also depends on the environment and it also depends on the company and it's forever evolving. But I would say at the core of how an inclusion program involves, evolves, sorry, um, has to be, there has to be listening is you listen to people, you listen to the organization, and you listen to how the needs are shifting, right? So for example, last year we were listening and what we were hearing was, well, I'm getting affected by what's happening on TV and society. It's affecting my mental health. And those that activity not being recognized at work makes me feel like I'm not bringing my full self to work. So we said, okay, let's talk about it, right? So that's when we brought up those topics of bias and uh, inequality and discrepancy in pay and, you know, um, pipeline and representation, et cetera, et cetera. And those, by the way, representation is, I would say, the top, like the North Star of inclusion, right? If people feel included from a talent perspective, the hope is that they stay for as long as possible. And the way they stay is because they keep growing. They feel like they evolve in their career. They're building on their skills and the environment they're a part of is very supportive of them. Of them. So for people to stay and for inclusion and diversity and representation to happen, uh, we have to listen, right? That's why. I say listening is really the foundation. So last year, what people were saying when we were listening was, well, we want those issues to be recognized and when we want them to be recognized in the workplace. And we also want them to be recognized from a mental health perspective and career progression perspective, right? And now the, the, the conversation has evolved from, okay, here are the issues that are kind of blocking um, inclusion or blocking diversity and representation to, well, at least in our organization, now that we understand that, how do we become allies, right? Like, how do we go from listening mode and understanding 
to action in support of inclusion and um and and diversity and representation and that's where we get to be creative with the type of activity once you identify the area that needs to be addressed there's all sorts of ways to actually go about that um activity of uh you know of, of sharing that concept with with the greater org it could be like a team discussion it could be reading materials from um really you know smart people who wrote about that topic um so there's there's all sorts of different paths that we can take um to address the issue but you're right it all comes down to first listening and understanding what needs to be addressed and then the creative process starts with how do we then reflect this and in, into the organization Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you, like you said, it is a creative process. And the interesting part was to do that within an analytics organization. And there is definitely data applied to what we do and what you continue to do um, as the new diversity inclusion leader. Um, there, you know, part of listening is listening through data, but also listening um, qualitatively through conversation. Absolutely. I agree. So you're, you just moved into a talent and culture lead position at a new kind of a spinoff, but, but basically a new company. What big problems are you tackling right off the bat? What lies at the foundation of a strong workplace culture? That is such a good question. So Kindrel um, is the company that I joined um, recently. And as opposed to IBM, which is an established brand and uh, a, a well-known and global brand, Kindrel, as a brand, is net new, right? The, the business itself um, is a continuation of DigiTS, part of the business at IBM. Um, so the business foundation is there, but the brand and how it's public-facing is different. What is also different is... As a collective population of employees, we are starting a new chapter with a new identity um, and with different goals as far as how we want to show up in the market. And the nature of our business, which is a service-based business, relies so heavily on people um, on top of technology, but mostly people and the services that they provide to our clients that their happiness their sense of belonging is paramount. Like this is actually business critical for Kindrel. Not to say that it's not for IBM, but because of the difference in business model and because it's a service company, um, people play such a big part of our success and quite frankly, such a big part in our bottom line um, that it's really worth paying attention. So in that way, it's different, right? The, the business model. Um, another thing that's different is just the kind of population, right? So IBM is a global company. Kindrel is also a global company. Um, but a great part of our employees are in India. We are in a lot of uh, international centers. But um, a majority of our population is going to be in India. And that in itself is something I'm really paying attention to because that shapes kind of the identity of the company. Um, and as you know, different geographies have different um, 
I want to say, not necessarily concerns, but priorities from people's perspective. So culturally, America might care about something that India doesn't care about as a nation. Um, there is a different culturally, there is a difference religiously. So all of those things that we have to be aware of one um, and then understand, right? Because that affects day-to-day business, that affects how people show up at work. Um, so making sure that we understand our new identity, I think is my um, top priority. It's just saying, hey, our composition geographically is different, but what does that mean on a human level? What matters to my colleagues in India right now? It might not be the same thing that matters to my colleagues um, in the U.S. That's really, really deep. Um, and and it perfectly explains why you're in that role, because th- that's such a challenging question to address. Like, what is the core fundamental difference between the people that I was previously working on behalf of to increase inclusion and the people who I now represent and, and want to make sure that, that, you know, they feel included. What, what are the core differences in the drivers between those two groups? Um, I think that's, that's a fantastic challenge and definitely something that needs to be thought about. Like somebody has to be thinking about it. So I'm glad it's you. Thank you. <laughs> um, who inspires you? A lot of people. Um, I actually love... I'm inspired by everyday people, right? My, my peers and my leaders and uh, my friends and my family. I really like to pay attention to positive behavior or things that I know make me feel closer to people, make me feel empowered, make me feel respected, make me feel um, capable. Um, When people do that, that's what I look at. Um, But I think professionally, one of my OG (laughs) um, person that I admire is Indra Nui, um, the previous CEO of Pepsi. And... I think as a teenage bordering on a post-college grad um, person, what really inspired me about her is just her courage. Um, she talked about courage so so much and just her presence was inspiring to me. And the fact that she was a female CEO as Pepsi, a brand that is so well recognized around the world, uh, was a great inspiration to me. Um, she just made me see and think that I could also do it. It was possible. And another big figure that actually inspired me um, was Ginny. And she famously say, and we always quote her on this, that uh, growth and comfort cannot coexist. And that to me is a a mantra at this point. um, Something that I, never ever forget and drives my own courage. And of course, there's so many people who inspire me on on the day to day. Um, Ari Shinkin is honestly a big inspiration to me and someone that really helped me see my own authenticity and empowered me to be um, to be authentic. And you know, when I talk about that support system, the response 
in the environment where where you're trying to drive change, he is an example of a leader that will back you up as you try to express your authentic self and try to make impact culturally uh, for for the organization. And of course, I know this is such a long answer, but honestly, anyone and everyone I partner with, my previous DNI team and my coworkers now, on a day to day, I have countless examples of people who are doing great things and modeling positive behavior and that I, I choose to keep with me every day. Yeah, that's that's really heartwarming. Um, you know, I I agree with with uh, with your point on Ari. He definitely is the kind of leader that focuses on creating other leaders through empowerment. And it is, um, it takes a certain amount of um, a humble nature to recognize others and let them run with their passion. And I think if you can, if you can really master how, who to choose to give that slack to, to just run in the direction that they, they need to go and, and picking the people to let run with their idea is is how you create leaders. I would I would take that a step further. It's it's not necessarily Ari or any leader picking. It's you know c- coming back to courage. It's really up to you to have the courage to step up and say, "Hey, this can help the organization. What do you think about it?" And I know plenty of people, you know, who've spoken to him and who've you know, brought forward ideas that failed, right? That didn't necessarily have the response that he expected. But I really wanted to put the emphasis on on the report or the peer or the employee to take the initiative and say, I'm recognizing a need, you know, whether it's in the talent realm, whether it's in the analytics realm, and I think I can help turn this around and, you know, pitch your idea and see what comes out of it. That, that was a big shift in, in my experience, I'll say. A, a big growth area for me was disperception. And I know a lot of minorities go through this, mainly because those are folks that I have conversations with um, on, on a regular basis, is somehow along the way, we had this mentality of, I'm going to be in my little corner, do my work so well, and people will recognize me. And that's how I get ahead. And that's how, um, you know, and that's how I impress my boss. And that's how I get promoted. Turns out it's not that passive. So, yes, you want to do the work. Yes, you want to improve your skills. But you want to solve problems that help your team and also helps your boss. And you want to be ahead of those needs. And you want to be able to present those and pitch those and if, you know, demand meets supply and meets uh, the resources, then that's a great win for everyone. And hopefully that's how you, you build that relationship and get ahead. But I, I really want to share that message of it's on you. It's really on you to step forward, um, not necessarily on leaders to reach out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what leaders are looking for um, when when deciding, like, who do we... Um, who do we back in leadership positions? It's, it's those who 
see the vision of of what is the outcome and are hungry to make it happen. And if you can spot it, then you must nurture it. And so it, it, it comes from both sides. So this is a really good point you made. It's like, it has to come from you. It's not that somebody's just going to endow upon you like this incredible project, but if you can feel the need for it to the degree that, th- that the leadership, uh, and, and, and you can convince the leadership um, to believe in this uh, idea to, to the degree that you do, then they'll trust you to push it forward. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's, it's very much like a relationship that both sides have to agree on, you know, are we really doing this? Okay, so now we're going to do it, um, and you're going to be in charge of it. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Um, yep. Yeah, so you're right. It, it really does have to come from both sides. Um, what is your message to our audience? You know, we have a global audience of marketers, students who are trying to enter the industry in marketing and analytics. Do you have a message for them on how to break into the industry? Yes. You know, of course the foundation is the skills, right? Do your research and, um, you know, LinkedIn is such a good tool, but there's plenty out there that allow you to do your research and see what are the needs in the market and make sure that your skills are matching and um, somewhat getting ahead of those needs um, of the skills. So skill set is the foundation. You have to be able to deliver um, that. That's how you win your bread. And second is don't just research the skills, but research the people um, that you like to be. Um, that you like to look like or that you like to behave like. For me as a, you know, college grad, I I was definitely seeking my identity. I don't think I knew for a fact where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do. But having role models, and by the way, like your path is not going to be the same as theirs, but having that inspiration, uh, especially the ones that you recognize as a positive role model, really will keep you inspired and will keep you striving, right, um, for whatever they were able to accomplish and whatever is in, in the cards for you as well. So keep a, a network of people that you think are positive leaders or uh, positive professionals, competent professionals in, in your field. And third, and we brought this up before, is be courageous and I think it's bold to just tell, you know, an 18 or 23 or even a a 30 year old to just be bold and courageous. Um, The truth is it, you know, the truth is it's scary. It's so scary to be authentic. It's so scary to pick up the phone and reach out to someone you've never spoken to, but could be, you know, the the door to an opportunity. it's so scary to speak up and say, hey, this is affecting me at work. And in order for me to do better, uh, I'd like help with this, right? It, 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 courage is so scary, but practice it, right? Do things that scare you. Things that are productive, of course, but get in the habit of, you know, speaking up your mind and get in the habit of reaching out to people, get in the habit of doing things that scare you, but that on the flip side could have, um, tremendous positive impact for you. The younger you are, the more risk that you need to undertake. And I, I would say 
the world right now seems like the last place you would want to take risk, but it's really not about what's going on in the world. It's about how many chances you have to really just do it over if you completely mess up. And um, for a lot of us, you know, it's, it's a hard reality to accept, but if we lost it all, we could still pick ourselves back up and redo it. And that's something that I'm trying to focus on in my personal life, which is how do I really take moonshot steps towards my goals in life? And knowing that if it all fails, I can just restart and it's okay. Um, and, and that comes from having a solid set of skills where you know that you'll be able to be employed if that becomes an issue, right? If, if you need to start over, you do have the skills that people want. Um, so I think that in order to take those risks, in order to be bold, you need to have something that is undeniably valuable in your skill set that, that backs up your confidence to then push and make these big, bold moves. Um, but it starts with having that, like you said, to get your bread, having that core set of skills that you know um, you'll be okay. You will be able to find a job if the current you know moves you're trying to make don't work out. Absolutely. And by the way, I, I think in today's um, environment where you know both, both you and I are in tech and the there is so much attention on tech and it's a, such a big growth industry. Um, but I know plenty of people who are intimidated by one, the industry and two, the kind of skills that it takes, you know, really look at yourself and your skills first and, and then look at the market. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's always talk of leak code and there's always talk of developing, you know, not everyone is a developer and that's fine. You don't necessarily need to be a developer to be in tech. Um, so dig deep into into whatever skills, whether hard or soft, you have to break to the table into any given industry and, and go from there. Final question, and this is around culture on a team, but it's centered around the outcome. So how does a marketing team's culture affect that company's marketing? That's such a good question. Um, the culture... It, again, culture is at the service of people and people really are the ones that make, um, you know, the campaign happen, the creative happen, the copy happen, the launch happen, the advertising happen. And that foundation of skills, everyone and anyone um, can get that covered and make sure they have the skills and make sure that they can develop the app or develop the ad or develop the campaign and push the campaign live. Where culture makes a difference is in accelerating not necessarily the skills, but how skills express themselves and how they're manifested in, in, in an organization. So for example, if you have a culture, a company culture that really encourages creativity and that really encourages a growth mindset, then all of a sudden you don't have employees who are just doing the work. 
guess what? On top of the work, they're doing research. On top of the work, they're adding on to their skills, not necessarily their basic foundational skills, but skills that take their work to the next level. Um, not only did that make them competitive, it also makes their work competitive. They're the outcome of their work. So your product or your advertising, it makes it stand out. Um, so it's almost like you're adding a booster into the fuel, right? And performance is increased by X. Creativity is increased by X. Um, whatever culture you enable, whether it's a culture of growth, you will see the impact on the people. And when the people are living that culture, learning about that culture and applying it to their work, you'll see a difference in the work. So in that way, there is an impact of culture on the company outcomes. I love the way you put that. It's a booster for the performance and growth that the company already uh, may be striving for. And it propels the individual to really seek out their hand in increasing that um, overall goal. Because that, that's one of the toughest things about running in a big organization is how do we connect? And this is something that our team has been doing um, very well, I think. Um, how do we connect the overall goals of the organization to the individual practitioner level? What can you do as a practitioner to help the whole org achieve their greater goals? And if you can connect that and then empower people to improve their own ability to provide that, that's the most efficient and effective way to achieve overall performance. It's, it's if the individual practitioners are the ones driving that improvement and they see it in their own work. Um, that's, where, that's where the performance improvement really comes from. It doesn't come from nowhere. It, it literally comes from that person putting an extra couple hours into that you know, presentation to really make it pop so that people really understand it and, and the, the message goes out to, to everybody in the most effective way. But it's, it's about uh, a really strong culture that, that incentivizes that extra work um, that, that sits at the core of that performance improvement. Absolutely. And, and by the way, we, you know, companies recognize that it's extra work, but a lot of talent doesn't even necessarily see it as extra work. They see it as something that's propelling them forward. Um, they, they see it as something that's making their performance better, but also nurturing their ability to to learn and transform, right? A lot of us get into disciplines or into functions and it becomes very linear. Whatever the culture enables, whether it's communications, whether it's uh, authentic leadership, whether it's research and growth mindset, those kind of things are things that add to us, not just as professionals, but also as individuals. You know, I personally don't see it as extra work. I see it as to be better the thing i need to do to make the collective better the thing I, the thing i need to do to make the company better um and the fact that it benefits me both professionally and personally is that much more of an incentive yeah empower the people to 
to really build themselves up and that is the that's the driver it it comes down to the person seeing their own growth in line with the overall growth of the org and um, reducing the transactional nature of work um, from you know just delivering this uh, you know, d having a deliverable versus um, having a purpose and working towards it is like a really big difference in the practitioner's mindset. Oh, I love that word, purpose. <laughs> Such a core part of, of culture is to drive that purpose, that collective purpose, but also connect the individual purpose to the collective purpose, which you've, you've alluded to, to before. And something that I find cool also about companies that get it right, that really think intentionally about their culture and how they want people to relate, how they want people to work, is it becomes like a domino effect. If you teach one person to have a growth mindset, as that person becomes a manager, guess what happens? You know, it has a trickle down effect, not just on the work and the output of the work, but on the company from a talent perspective, from a retention perspective. And of course, it impacts people's on an individual and personal level. Yeah, I can't think of a better note to end on. Jen, I want to thank you for hopping on and really talking through a lot of these culture and talent related topics. I think it's really insightful. It was such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Sure. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you soon.